0: to the
1: Welcome to the second episode of Not Your African Cliché. First of all, I want to say thank you all who have listened to our podcast. We Mm. really, really appreciate it. With that said, my name is Onyeka, a.k.a. Yeka-O, and I have three other amazing co-hosts with me. Do you guys want to go ahead and introduce yourself to the world?
2: Yes, we do. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm going to go. My name is Ife-Iwa.
3: And I'm ife and i am ife Hi everyone! So last episode I introduced myself as, I don't know what I introduced myself as, but I must have been either drunk or high when I said my name, but that's not how my name is now. Guys, I was listening to it and I was like, uh, no. And I think I, you know, my ancestors are not at peace, so I have to set it (laughs) in this way. So my name is Amayo. Please not Amayo. <laughs> <I don't> <laughs> but yeah, that's <last laughs> name. Amayo. Um, I guess today's episode is about identity. Mm-hmm. Um, right, right. Know, being an African so yeah, I just have to clear that. That's Sweet. Awesome. So Thanks. with
1: that said, <laughs> we're just going to go around and tell you guys how our week has been. Yeah, mm-hmm. ladies?
2: Yeah. That is
1: correct. So I'll go. Uh, my week has been... A little crazy, and for some reason, I feel like every time we record an episode, I have an exam, so I'm mm-hmm. <laughs> studying. But you know that's cool, um, and working a lot on this startup my brother and I have called the Cardiac Movement, where we um, trying to raise funds for patients who have cardiac diseases. So I've mm. been working a lot on that. Mm-hmm.
0: Very cool. This is Ife here. My week has been crazy as well. I'm, I I mentioned in the last episode that there's some things in flux, and I'm moving. So I think this might be the first time I'm telling people I'm moving. Anyway, there's some people that are going to hear that I'm moving on this podcast, and they might be annoying. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> but I'm moving. I'm moving to London by the end of the year, and there are a lot of things... That are happening. So, hmm. Yeah, a lot of work stuff to wrap up, a lot of personal stuff to to figure out, and yeah. So it's been it's been intense, but I've also so this week I've decided. You know how you move into a city, move to a city, and you always think that you have time to explore, and you know. <laughs> The Statue of Liberty is always there. I'm going to see whenever. The World Trade Center is always there. I'm going to see whenever. And now that is T-minus how many days for me to leave. There are so many things that I haven't done. So lesson to all of you guys. Don't put off the cool stuff you want to do in a city that you live in forever. Mm-hmm. You might not always have the time. Mm. So this weekend, I went to there's a farmer's market a couple of minutes away from my house, and I'd never been. And my friend, my really good friend Brianna, goes every Saturday, and I was even upset with her because she didn't tell. Anyway, this is a long story about my week, but <laughs> long story short, I did some exploration this weekend and it was cool. So, yeah,
2: sweet.
3: Um, that's awesome. I can't believe I'm moving to London. Kind of jealous. <laughs> um, but this is Amayot speaking. My week was pretty basic. Um, I'm working now, thank God. I had a job. (laughs) That's a blessing. (laughs) I had a privilege. And I think, um, other than any other week, um, I'm being given more responsibility and things are about to get real. I don't
2: think I'm ready, but we'll see. That's about it. You've got this, boo. Yay, I hope so. (laughs) Yeah, and this is Ifi here, um, ife I Yeah, the past week has been really busy, and in some ways it was kind of overwhelming, but it's finally behind me, and one cool thing that I did was I made sweet potato pies for um, a Friendsgiving dinner that someone hosted, and oh my gosh. I mean, I made it so I'm biased, but it it was kind of awesome. Yeah, so, yeah, it's been a good week
1: any thing. I was well, just checking. Was it better than Patty Labelle's pies? Yo. <laughs> oh.
2: Yo. My pie went oh. in like minutes. <laughs> I feel like I should just start to. I should, you know, just go up at Walmart with like pies and just be like, here, you are. Here you go. Like, you know, just put this on the shelf and just see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it was good. Cool. Okay, <laughs> and there's nothing like homemade pies, y'all. Like, mm, I, I agree, especially pie that you make at two in the morning. What? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Patty, Patty can't touch this though. Nah. <laughs> <Yes>. Patty, <laughs> <laughs> please if you're listening, Patty, it's all in, you know. I mean all respect, all respect and disrespect. <laughs> Okay, so we're
1: going to move to our topic today. Um, Am I already kind of briefed on it a little bit? We're going to be talking about identities, and we've decided to split it up into two parts. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we're just going to go into the first part, which is basically um, telling you all about our names, what they mean, um, and how they've become a part of our identity. So my name is... let me just say, it. my full name, right? I'm going to give you guys first name, middle name. Uh, so, my full name, or like Nigerians would say, my full names are. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Onyekachi um, Ebelechuku. And I'm Igbo, So, Onyekachi means who is greater than God. Not as a statement, but as a rhetorical question. Um, and Ebelechuku means God's mercies last forever. Um, well,
0: with the way my grandma said it. Yeah. My but, name, this is Ife speaking. <clears throat> my name, my full name is Ifeolua honlayemi, abeni. Those are a lot of names, mm-hmm. and my my first name means, the love of God shows in my life. That's a literal translation, but the more poetic translation I should say is I am a manifestation of God's love. Was mm. Abeni, Abeni means we begged to have you. So I think my first name and my my third name, they reflect the circumstances surrounding my birth. So typically in Nigeria, people get pregnant and have babies within the first year of marriage. And my parents got married and they didn't have me till the second year, which Nigerians at that time considered unusual. And my grandmother was you know, praying, and everybody was praying. So that's my grandmother or my mother's, my father's side gave me a, a beni, meaning we beg to have you, and that's my
2: oriki. I'm just like, we're just like getting personal and like putting our business there. <laughs> we,
0: really, we really are. I, I, I don't know we're going to, but I guess we yeah, are. We're no, doing
2: it. It's great. Um, so my phone name is Ifeiwa Uzuamaka Karen, um, and Ifeiwa means there is nothing like having a child. I mean, you guys don't need to know the backstory, but the backstory is that it's it's an it's kind of an old name. It was like gr- my grandma's name, and my dad wanted me to have that name but I guess he was like smitten that you know, oh he has a baby girl, so he was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to give her Ifeoma, and my mom was like, um, that's an old name. I don't really like that name, <laughs> and my dad is like, uh, no, I want that name, and so my mom then gave me Uzuamaka, which means the ways. The way is beautiful, the future is bright. Um, And then Karen, my baptismal name. But yeah, so that's my full name. And I'm also Igbo, so hello. (laughs) Igbo Kwenu, hey. (laughs) Hey!
3: Hey! So my name is Amayob, I'm Efik. And my mother is actually Igbo. And it's funny because if I had an official Igbo name, uh, like, my birth certificate would be Fanyuwa, so... Hey, girl! Hey! So, my first name, Amayo, this is always a, a very embarrassing story because people do not believe me when I say that my name actually does not have a meaning, and it's just one of those... I, every time I ask my dad or my aunt, they're like, oh, it's just like your royal name. So, guys, I'm basically a princess. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, <but laughs> um it's, it's just like a royal epic name, and I don't think I've heard it a lot, because I guess epic, the epic tribe is just a huge minority in Nigeria. Mm. But yeah, that's matters, and I'm guessing, I'm, I haven't asked recently, but I'm guessing if I were to guess, it would be that it's uh, um. It's a derivation of Abasi which means God in epic. So, yeah. Do you know what it's just came to my and mind? My middle name is Claire. Mm. Oh,
0: what? When you said Basi and Abasi, I just remember that Nigerian praise and worship song. abasi ay <laughs> Oh no.
1: <laughs> <I>
0: Why? <was laughs> I love that song. Oh,
1: Nigeria, I'm I'm, w- I I like bomb.
0: it a lot
3: too. It is. It is. It's Okay.
1: So, I mean, FYI to everybody listening, all four of us went to college in the United States. Um, And so, just for kicks and giggles, Did everybody, while you guys were in college, call you by your full name, or did you get nicknames? And what were they? My
0: name is a mouthful, and nobody really, I I wouldn't want anybody to say it and butcher it. So, most people call me Ife, even from Nigeria, people call me Ife.
3: So, that's, that's how
0: people have called me. So, not really, no nicknames.
3: Um, I think yeah, I think most people call me Amayo. I guess the only problem is the intonation because mm. it's like Amayo, Amayo. I don't know. Um, some people always call me Mayo B because I don't know it's funky and I kind of like it. <laughs> but only like close friends, though, not like random people, because they like, you know. So.
2: Hmm. Um, sorry, I'm just gonna read this quote before I dive into the nicknames I have. yeah. Um, it's by this poet. Who um her parents are from Somali, uh, Somalia, and then she, I think I believe she was born in Kenya and now she's based in London. Her name is uh Warsan Shire mm-hmm. might be betraying her name, but the poem essentially is give your daughters difficult names, give your daughter's name that command the full use of the tongue. My name makes you want to tell me the truth. my name doesn't allow me to trust anyone that cannot pronounce it right. And I remember the first time I read that, and I was like, that, you know, deep.com right there. And it just made me think about my name. Like, my name is not necessarily difficult to pronounce, like, where I'm from. But when I came to the States, I just realized it was it was one of the, those moments of culture shock where, I, like, a lot of people I met just really struggled to pronounce it, and I didn't really expect it. But... At the same time, I will say that when I came to the States, I did debate going by my baptismal name, Karen. I was thinking about it. I was like, should I go by Karen? Like, it's going to be easier for people to say because, you know, it's an English name, as opposed to going with Ifeanyiwa, which I, you know, I I thought that maybe some people would, you know, have a problem with. And at the end of the day, I was just like, you know what? Scratch that. I'm not going by Karen. Like, nobody in my life calls me Karen. <laughs> I'm like, it's not going to start now. <laughs> And so, um, you know, I went into college and got so many uh, pronunciations of my name, and it just got to a point where I was overwhelmed. At, you know how often people struggled with my name, and I felt like the quickest way to blend in and just keep the conversation moving is to go by Ife, which um, it's not like it's not a name that somebody invented here in the states, but it's like my it's. That's the nickname for Ifeanyi. That's the short form, and like a lot of, well, not a lot of people. Some family members call me Ife. and but then at the same time, even that nickname that is um, mispronounced. So I've heard some some people ask me what's the right way to say Ife. and I'm just like I've heard it said so many different ways that I honestly forget the right way to say it sometimes. <laughs> Like, it's true. Even sometimes my full name, I wrestle with saying it correctly because I've used, I've Mm. gotten so used to hearing it said, you know, mispronounced that I've just, yeah, I don't remember the right way to pronounce it sometimes. So people are like, how do you really say it? And I'm like,
1: to be honest, I don't remember.
2: (laughs) 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 I've already said so many which ways. And I don't know, sometimes I feel like the... Quickest, you know, I, you know, I once read an article where somebody was saying, like, you know, the quickest route to assimilation is often to just, you know, give the first letter of her name and just like avoid that whole dance around how do we really say it, what do you really call uh-huh. yourself. And also just like with my me going by my Igbo name it's just automatically people see that and then they know I'm not an American, right? Or or mm-hmm. they know like, yeah, they assume I'm not American. Um, and so it just, it's very, like, unique. And so automatically people hear my name and they're like, oh, where are you from? And, you know, all these questions about what it means. And so, I don't know, it's been almost six years I've been in the States. So my relationship with my name has, you know, has had has had so many facets and so many interesting anecdotes and stories.
1: I completely agree with Ify with that one. The fact that you've heard it said so many ways and it's like, uh, how, how do I say and. Uh, Yeah, what you said was fine. What you said was fine. Oh, whatever Siri calls me on your phone, you know, that's okay, too. I don't know how many of you have heard Siri pronounce your name, but mine, I will never forget, is Onanika. I don't know how. Onanai. I'm like, okay, girl, that's fine. That's fine. Um, (laughs) Here, I feel like in college, a lot of people definitely made, made the effort to say, how do you say it? And they'll, like, write out how
2: mm.
1: sounds coming out, so that that way they can say it. Um, So I've had everything from Onika to Onika to Onyika, And I'm like, you could say jalapeno, right, with the N thing. So you could definitely say onyeka. Um, But I think a lot of people have tried. Mm-hmm. But for now, a lot of people have settled with Yeika O, because that's my name on Instagram. Um. Mm. And <laughs> I don't know. It's just I've never had a nickname that was my name. Most of it was just like, okay, here I am, just giving you all information. Um, most of it was just because I guess I'm just an old person in a young person's body, um, or Grandma. So it was like cool that people would have a nickname for me that was actually part of my name. So yeah. yeah. That's mean.
3: So like in reference to the poem that you came up with out, right? That poem really hits me, the part about like not trusting people who can't pronounce your name, right? Mm. I've had this conversation with my auntie before about like, you know, don't ever let people butcher your name. But like, if Americans can pronounce Arnold Schwarzenegger, or whatever, I don't even mm-hmm. Schwarzenegger. Mm. They can't pronounce anything. All those other hard names out there, people from Russia, I don't know. Um so I just feel, I, sometimes I I personally feel like if you actually sit down and I teach people how to pronounce your name, mm-hmm. you'll be able to pronounce But I think it's more of like people don't have time or it's like you're rushing you don't want to like go into details of it. Mm-hmm. But I think it's actually very important. I think, I think to me, I, I haven't taken this as seriously, but I think now going forward, it's like my name is Amayo. You can do it. You can say Nigaro. You can say e. <laughs> Different I, I just I, I just think like you take all the time to try and get to know me and mm-hmm. to like, try and you know learn something new, you
2: know? Yeah, and I I'm just gonna jump in and also say like okay, so I read this it's a it's an article on BuzzFeed by this young woman called um Durga chu, chu Boys, I think. I'm sorry if I'm betraying your name. Maybe I like, meet you in person and can have this conversation. But just how, like, your name is such an essential part of your identity. Right. Um, and just, you know, trying to dismiss if somebody says it, pronoun- uh, pronounces it correctly or not, you're actually erasing part of your identity. And that really hits me because sometimes I'm just like, yeah, you know, just call me Ife, it's okay. Like, Like, I'm ashamed, like... I'm ashamed of my my phone name, and mm-hmm. I don't know about, like, it's, yeah, it was really convicting for me, because I'm like, why am I so skittish around my name, like, why do I want to sweep it under the rug, like, why is it okay that when somebody mispronounces my name, I'm like, yeah, 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 it's fine, it's fine, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. like, my name, and I think, just like, going back to what I was saying, like, if I also uh, hinted on this, like, I feel like most Nigerians... Um, your name essentially says something about the circumstances
3: right. surrounding
2: your birth, so you mispronouncing my name is i mean this might be going too deep with this or reading too much into it, but almost an insult to where I'm coming from hmm. and so and you know also the it the honest is also on me. I shouldn't be skittish around my name if somebody's saying it incorrectly. I should be able to say, like, oh, no, that's not how it's pronounced. This is how it's pronounced. And then they try it. I'm like, oh, okay, you didn't say it right, but this is how it's pronounced. Like, just so a person can keep it in mind. And, I don't know, this desire to, like, assimilate quickly or to just blend in and, mm-hmm. like, you know, oh, my name is so hard to pronounce. It's okay. I'll forgive you. It's not hard. It's just, you know, giving somebody that space and giving them the time to, especially if that person is going to be your friend, and saying your name over and over again, it's worth mm-hmm. learning, you know? Um, so I think for me, yeah, I remember when I read that article, I was like, okay, nobody's going to, to call me Ifi again. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I'm too far, I'm too far, I'm too far gone into this American experience. <laughs> but, yeah, I feel like, yeah, so...
1: Do you guys ever get this um, reaction when you tell people your name and they're like, oh, that's such a pretty name? <laughs> <laughs> and it's always confused me because I'm like, are there names that aren't? Like, what are we using to, what's the one I'm looking for? To determine that a name is, yeah, like, what makes a name pretty? Is it, is it exotic sounding? I don't know.
2: Yeah. Pretty much, most of the time that's what it is. It sounds exotic, it sounds different, it sounds unique. And, you know, for me, I feel like most, you know, people who come to the States for college or, you know, immigrants, like, I feel like at some point you have to, like, pick and choose your battles, right? It's like, okay, they said, okay, my name is pretty, you know, it's fine. It's a compliment. I'm (laughs) going to take it as that. But you're going to take the fact that I want you to pronounce this name seriously. So it's, like, learning learning which battle is worth fighting and what's worth losing sleep over. Like, if you think my name, I think my name is pretty. I think the story behind it is beautiful. And mm-hmm. so if somebody says that, even though their intentions might be, you know, I don't know, shady, like, it's okay. You know, it's just going to roll off my back. cool. Cool.
3: No, I was just, I was going to say that I don't think I've ever, like when people say, oh, that's a pretty name, I don't think I've ever thought, like, oh so like, what is an ugly name? Like, you saying that, I was just like, oh, okay, like, wow
1: Mm.
3: Um, Yeah, I just think it's a compliment, like, you know I don't really know how to take compliments I usually just, like, freak out and (laughs) smile, (laughs) like I'm just like that too. Speaking to what
0: Oyenka said, this is Ife, by the way Speaking to what Oyenka said about your name is so pretty. As a response when somebody tells me, when I tell somebody my name, I take it as a compliment. But as I've been here longer, I've taken it as a sign, a polite way of saying that's so unusual. Mm. Instead of say, instead of them right up uh, coming out and say, oh, that's an unusual name, can mm-hmm. I learn more about it? They say. Right what i've noticed some people genuinely say that's a pretty name and i can i can feel that they genuinely feel feel that way but there are some people that say oh that's such a pretty name <laughs> i don't know <laughs> they just say it in a way that i i like i know you want to ask another fo- i know you want to ask a follow up question just mm-hmm. ask a follow up question Mm-hmm. usually when they say oh that's such a pretty name the follow-up question is where's is that from and I don't mind you know I, I don't mind when people say that I lo- I want to tell people the background of my name I want to tell people where my name is from so that they have context to be able to use to remember me better and remember mm-hmm. how to pronounce my name better because when you do word association and you tie, tie experiences or tangible things to people's names. It helps you remember their names better, so I don't mind it. But what me, I when people just say, oh, that's a beautiful name, and they just stop there, well, I don't know. Like if anyone said, you have to choose your battles. But there's just some things that just Mm. I'm... I'm... Guys, listening, continue to compliment names that you think are beautiful. This is not a... Mm. This is not to dissuade you from doing so, but it's just to make you aware of what people whose names you're complimenting might be thinking and how you could make that a real conversation and make that a real connection, mm-hmm. not just saying, oh, that's a pretty name and what's it done, that's the end. You can, <laughs> further, you can further that conversation and learn where that person is from and just things that make them feel like more than a pretty name. And, hey, I think I've arrived at the source of my... <laughs> of my discomfort. Because they say that's just a pretty name and it feels like that's all you are. It's not a no. I want to get to know you better. It's just oh that's you know, I as if my name is there for your admira- admiration and your to, to decorate your lips.
3: <laughs> mm. Mm. I don't know.
0: I don't know. Maybe we'll I think we've just got a little d- <laughs> <laughs> No,
3: no, no, <laughs>
0: This <laughs> got deeper. deeper than I intended it to be, and and some of the feedback I was getting from people who listened is that ah, yeah, this conversation conversations a tad deep. I apologize in advance. This <laughs> no, see, is another.
1: Yeah.
0: This is another deep conversation. But yes, I've arrived at where my discomfort comes from.
1: Yeah.
2: Mm. we yeah, all I mean, need a lot more depth in our lives. Sorry.
1: I agree. Yeah, I was going to say like this whole concept of identity is a very intricate issue. You know, it's it's deep. Mm-hmm. And yep. that's kind of why we talk about it, because a lot of times you don't have the time to actually sit down and discuss what's my identity, how do I represent myself, how do I see myself, you know. Mm-hmm. Which brings us to this TED Talk that we all watched mm-hmm. by um, Tae Selassie. I think that's how you say her name. Yeah. And I would love to meet you so you could tell me how to say it properly, even though you said it in the <laughs> TED Talk. But I'd love to meet you, though, just okay. FYI. Oh, yeah. Um, but she was talking about how she has traveled, you know, for a book tour and given so many talks everywhere. And every time she gets introduced, people either introduce her as a Ghanaian or an American. And her point was I'm not multinational. That's what companies are. I'm multi-local. <laughs> what do you guys feel about that?
2: Well, this is uh, if you were here. I think we've been doing a bad job. We're going to get better at, like, saying our names before we talk. But I think when I listened to that talk, there were so many things that stood out. But primarily, I just want to say, like, her ex- her identity and her experience is very different from mine. And I think mm-hmm. most of us on this podcast. Because for her, her dad is... I be- Hold on. I think I know this. Her dad is Guinean and her mom is Nigerian. But even there, where they're from is complicated, like... And then she was born in the UK, and so she has this, you know, this complex history of the country she's been to and where she's raised, so identifying one specific place, when I was listening to her talk, it made me think about the women I met at Mount Holyoke, who um, Mm -hmm. either, like, their parents were in the military, so they've been to lot of places, so when you ask them where they're from, they say everywhere. Because uh-huh. their experiences are in multiple different geographical uh, locations, whereas for me, my story is much simpler. So when people ask me where I'm from, I uh-huh. can easily say I'm from Nigeria. Uh-huh. But then when she gave her talk, like certain things she said about countries not being absolutes, really stood out to me because it's true. Like countries disappear and country, like I think, I think it's Yugoslavia that is no longer a country. Um. So, things like that, and also, I remember in college, like, I, <laughs> okay, I'm just going to air my laundry out here, but like, I met someone, <laughs> and I said, you know, oh, we were talking, and I said, oh, where are you from? And she said, I think she said California. <sighs> And this is me, guys, so forgive me, all of those listening. I was very naive, straight from Nigeria. I was just like, "Mm, she doesn't look like, like she looks Asian. Like I want to know. So I was like, "Mm, where are you really from? (laughs) So see me me contributing to her, uh, you know, offering my own microaggression. Just because I was just very used to, at home, just people identifying with where their families, like when somebody asks you where you're from, like, I would say, you know, I'm Igbo, like, identifying essentially with where my parents are from. Mm-hmm. But in the States, just realizing that how people view identity so much is so different from how I was raised. And even speaking about that, when people ask, like, where you're from, like, and people perceiving you based on the color of your skin, like, just assuming, you know, that, you know, you're black, you're African, and not knowing the specifics of that. And just for the longest time identifying as Igbo because my both my parents are Igbo. Mm-hmm. But not identifying as African and like knowing that I was Nigerian but you know my primary identity was like was based on the fact that I'm Igbo. But now that I've been in the States it's you know, it's my description of my identity has become much more broader than oh I'm Igbo. It's now, you know, um black. I have to check that box every time I feel some survey that the government wants me oh, to do. You know, I have to check I'm black. You know, I have to check I'm African. And then somebody's like, where are you from? You know, Nigeria. I rarely get to the Igbo part.
0: This is ifa here. My experience with identity is very similar to if It was. I'm back in Nigeria. identified as Yoruba. And another unique thing about how Nigerians view identity or where they're from is that when... When you are in Nigeria and somebody asks you, where are you from? They're asking about your ancestral home or Mm -hmm. your ancestral heritage. So I lived in Lagos. I lived in Lagos all my life. Mm -hmm. But when people ask me, where are you from? I say, I'm from Ogun State. I'm from Abelkuta because that's where my family's, my father's family is from. Mm
2: -hmm. But
0: Uh then I came to the States and when people ask where you're from i realized when people start when people around me were saying their hometowns or when i discovered that people around them were saying their hometowns and hometowns in american context means where you grew up True. so that's oh. when i realized okay yeah i'm from in that in that category i'm from lagos cuz i grew up in lagos going back oh. to identity it's fascinating how your identity broadens when you are in a oh. more when you're in a more heterogeneous society. So now we're in America and there's so many people and there's so many people from everywhere. It's not, like if anyone said, nobody ever gets down to the I'm Igbo or your ethnic group, especially for us coming from, from other countries. So mm-hmm. as I've been in the States, my identity has evolved from being just Yoruba. In Lagos, I was Yoruba. Mm-hmm. When I came to the States, I became black first (laughs) because the color of my skin is black and there's no the the color of your skin is such a big identifier of a lot of things that there's there's no escaping it except you are you're a mixed race and you're kind of ambiguous ethnicity looking Mm. but for people who are who look you know my kinky hair my yeah anyway so Identity was referring to being black, being African, being Nigerian so those were the the major major identities that I had or that I identified with or as as it progressed and now, as I've been in the states longer, I've been in the states about six years now, my identity one of my most prominent identities is black now mm. because I've been in the states long enough to identify with Black Americans and identify with their struggle because America doesn't care whether you are, an, a person straight off the boat from Africa or whether you have your 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 parents were, were you've been here for generations and your ancestors were enslaved. America doesn't care. America just sees your color as black, and that's a blanket way of of treating you or categorizing you. So this is another conversation for another day in terms of black people from, straight of the book, from Africa or first generation immigrants from Africa and people who've, black Americans who've lived here for generations. Because another, maybe I'm I'm, I'm definitely getting into a different tangent, but I think a tactic of a tactic of white supremacy is making us feel like we're more different than we're alike so making us mm. some people have a weird sense of superiority and say oh well I know my ancestral home and uh-huh. how does knowing your ancestral home protect you from racism or white supremacy how you know how has that changed this is just to say that my identity has the blackness, my blackness has been more prominent in my identity and I become more proud or I've become more comfortable with identifying as black. I'm still so another thing that so I'm more comfortable with identifying as black, but I'm also one of my pet peeves is on census boxes or those forms mm. where people where people say why you know, Caucasian, whatever. Mm-hmm. Whatever mm-hmm. ethnicities they put there, and they put African American. I'm like, yeah. wait, not all black people in America are African American. There's a, you know, there's mm-hmm. African Americans are black. They're they're different from Africans in the sense of different lived experiences, different. Like you can't just anyway, and 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 I just think it's lazy lazy, laziness, because you can, oh, like, just say black. Black, you know, it's better if you say black or African-American, yes, that's fine, but if you just, I'm like, no. I'm not taking any box, thanks, bye. Anyway.
3: If I have a question for you. <laughs> What's can your I name?
0: Who, who's this person that has a question this for me? Amario.
3: <laughs> Amario. Um, So, you said that you're more comfortable identifying as black, right? Mm-hmm. So my question is: You said you also said that you feel like because America like automatically classifies you as black because of your color of your skin. Do you feel like you were pushed to, you know, accept this identity, or you went out of your way to embrace this identity, like Mm. you know, as well? Because I feel like being in the states and you know being in, um, going to school in the states like yes I'm black but I don't think I fully embrace that black identity and mm-hmm. all that comes with it. I don't know if that was like some, some sort of like hesitation, you know not willing to uh, me not be, me not being willing to I, I don't know like not being comfortable accepting that
2: mm. identity.
3: I don't know just, but, I, but yeah that's my question for you like you feel like you were pushed or you're just going like, you to have a return.
0: This is fair again, so my identification with blackness has been a journey i my first year, second year i didn't I was so into school, and so you know I didn't have time for thinking about you know what's mm-hmm. my business. I just want to go to school and and pass, but my mm-hmm. identifying with blackness has really evolved and has been brought about by the recent event- you know when I say recent events, <laughs> mm. recent to me because black people have been traumatized in America for mm. decades upon decades. So I'll, I'll say recent to me. So my recent awareness of the the racial issues or ra- racial issues that plague America and me wanting to learn more and me knowing that and me being in solidarity with other black people in this country and black Americans in this country and and... I think that's how my identity has evolved. So I know that I'm not. Again, I will tell you point blank. I'm not. Af- I'm not African American because I've not. African American experiences are not the same as mine. But we do have some similar. there's some similar things. There are things that we share in common, and our struggle is intertwined. And when mm-hmm. I think about. I think about the, the civil rights movement. And the truth of the matter is maybe we're getting into this <laughs> like yeah. we're getting into this thing that we said we we're going to talk about in a different episode. Yeah, but, yeah. The, but the point is the, the general point I'm trying to make is that African Americans paved the way for us African immigrants. They made our journey into America easier. Do you understand uh-huh. what I'm the Civil rights movement, they won all these victories. And those victories benefit us. So when I when 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 I hear Africans from Africa kind of you know shirk their blackness and say, well, I'm not black, or you know, like uh-huh. I I I understand how you might think that you're not black, and you know, your identity is personal and it is your business. But it's also uh-huh. important to uh-huh. be educated and realize how intertwined we all are in in that regard. I don't know if that answers your question, Amayo. Also,
1: following what Ife just said, I think for me personally, so I went to undergrad in Tennessee, right? So we're down south, and I realized my blackness uh, when I went to a conference, right? It was a minority conference. It was called Glimpse. And hearing all these stories. Now, I I love colleges, and I think that colleges are amazing. Um, And so just hearing these stories, I'm like, wow, like, I want to know more. I want to know more about why you feel this pain why you feel this anger and so for me relating to my blackness now has been something that I intentionally sought like I intentionally wanted to know why are you mad why do you feel like you know they're against you why is it a them versus us kind of situation so in that regard yeah I definitely think that being here over time my um, identity as a black person um, has evolved. So it might not have evolved for the people looking at me because they don't, when they see me, they see a black person. They don't see, ah, that's that Igbo girl from you know, Nigeria. They see me as a black person, but for me personally, me looking at myself, um, yes, when people ask me where are you from, I do say, originally I'm from Anambra State, which is like in the eastern part of Nigeria, but I grew up in Lagos. So it's, 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 it's hard. I guess, and if you're not interested in having like a full-length conversation with someone, you know, I don't know if you should start with the whole, where are you from, because when you start that with me, we'll be there for hours, but if anyone.
2: Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, that my answer to last question is, you know, both of those, like being pushed, but also embracing it. I got pushed into it when I, I realized that even though internally I did not identify as black, I realized that that was not the external perception of me.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: So when I learned that, oh, in my mind, I'm like, I identify as being Nigerian, I identify as being Igbo, and I don't identify as being black. But then learning that, oh, you look this way, so people are going to assume Mm -hmm. or just automatically categorize you as black. And I was like, ah, so (laughs) that is what is going on. And then in that moment, then. And then from there on, I was like, okay, if people going to, you know, perceive me as black just based on the color of my skin, I better do my research. And just realizing, you know, you know, the discrimination, like, against, you know, people of color. And just realizing that I'm, like, involuntarily dragged into that. And I was like, oh, so I better learn. Yeah, it just, then that just began the journey of intentionally reading up articles on, you know, all the, you know, the past racial inequality and, like, current racial inequality and racial bias and, you know, learning all of that. And now being more invested in mm-hmm. what's going on and fooling what's going on in the news because it's like, oh, all these killings, all this police brutality, and I feel like, oh, I'm African, I'm different from them, but no, externally I'm perceived <laughs> as black, so yeah. I should be invested in this, I should be following the news. I, this is also my struggle, as long as I'm in the US, this is also my struggle. So, whether I like it or not, <laughs> I should be educated on it. So, But mm. I feel like we've been going on for a while and there's something I really, really want to talk about. <laughs> <in>
1: <laughs> Let's do it. Lay, it, lay it on us. So, yeah. one
2: thing that uh, Taya mentioned in her TED talk is this question of where, when are you going back? They <laughs> really want us to talk about it. I know this podcast is very long. This episode is going long and some people have commented, but I I want to know how you guys feel about that because I have feelings.
1: Uh, I think you should start with those feelings. Uh, I asked the questions. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is Onyeka, by the way. I've been so horrible at saying who it is. I just feel like I have a mandate, right, because I feel like this is kind of these streets raise me and I can't like, I know it sounds so stupid, but I I feel like I can't just sit in the U.S. and be comfortable, which is a relative term because you ain't got that blue passport, Um, but sit in the U.S. (laughs) and be comfortable and know that with what I've gained or what I'm currently gaining um, I'm not doing anything. So I do feel that the whole concept of if it's going back to where you came from, like you were saying, our story is different from hers because she was born in the UK and grew up in America and her parents are from all these places, so she can't necessarily go back. But I feel like I can go back, Then I do plan on going back eventually. But, you know, these things, you can't plan them, to be honest. When they say it's time to go, it's time to go. When OPT runs out, that's probably getting too far now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but, does anybody else have any comments?
2: <laughs> well, this is the thing. I'll just jump in. So, for me, I guess my question was more about, like, when you get that question. And actually, it's funny, because that happened to me today, and I got that question, and immediately I thought about the TED Talk. And it's just, I feel like next time when I get that question, I'm going to ask a follow-up question. Which is, like, why are they asking? Why? Are, why is that question important? Why does that question yeah. need to be asked? Because in, internally, I know I'm going back. This is not my country. Mm-hmm. I'm not from here. Like, even though entire talk she was talking about how, like, our identity is based on experiences. And I feel like I've been here almost six years. And so definitely my lived experiences in this corner of the U.S. It has become part of my identity. But mm-hmm. still, I can't claim Massachusetts as where I'm from. Right. But at the same time, when I get that question, when are you going back? I have some I have a lot of mixed feelings because I want to know why you're asking me that and are you are you putting a time on how long I'm supposed to be here like mm. and all of that, you know, just comes up and there's just all these feelings yeah. because <laughs> when you say when are you going back like Taya was saying in her talk, like, you can't really go back. Like, you can go back to the physical location, but, number one, you the person who's going back has changed. Mm-hmm. Number three, the place you're going back to has changed. Number three, the people you're going back to have also changed. So, mm-hmm. going back, like, you're going back to Nigeria, going back to whatever country you're from, but you're not going back to the same place you, you, you know, the same place um, that you were when you left. So it's almost like you're going back to like it's the same country, but it's a different country. So mm-hmm. a lot of times it's just there's a there's an intention behind the question, and I want to know what that intention is because I'm not here forever. But when somebody does ask me when are you going back, it makes me wonder if that person thinks I cannot stay here
3: mm-hmm.
2: and why they I cannot stay here.
1: Hmm. You need you deserve like snaps
0: mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: Because it's like, are you, am I not, well, like, obviously I'm welcome here, but, well, not obviously because, hey, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm not welcome here, but it it does have that implication, even though, you know.
1: So I guess a better question might be, are you planning on going back versus when are you going back? Yes. Okay. Exactly.
2: Actually, yeah. Or I'm if not you're not going go back, back when mean... do you plan to go back? Sorry, go ahead, Amaya. Oh,
3: yeah, I think I prefer that because... Even when you ask, like, when are you planning, that can mm-hmm. still come off as,
1: mm-hmm.
3: you, so "I'm not welcome there," like, so I can't plan on staying. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So yeah. And another
1: side to the story is people who are back home and the idea of, "I uh-uh, want you come back," <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or why would you even come back? I, I think on both sides, you're you're getting that, and it's just like, can you just let me make my decision? If you see me. It means I'm back, <laughs> and if you don't see me, then it means I'm uh, physically not bad. you know doesn't mean that my heart does not belong, you know in Nigeria doesn't mean that I don't love my people, you know hmm. see?
2: Yeah, yeah, just getting the question from people who are back home, I feel like you know that's also coming from a perspective of seeing a lot of people leave and never come back. I think it might be coming from that place. I don't know. I haven't actually got funny enough. I haven't gotten a lot of that because maybe because people who are back home who know me and can ask are in that position to ask me that question know why I'm here, and they know mm-hmm. what I still have left to do, whereas those who are asking me on this side don't and don't, they're just putting a time on. They're essentially, you know, the hourglass, the sand is running out. It's like, when are you going back? Meaning there's no if. There's no question of if I'm saying or not.
3: I think for me, in my experience, having moved back for now. (laughs) Uh, But having moved moved back, I think the one question that I've I've heard that kind of, that really upsets me is, oh, you're back. First of all, though, I'm back, like, mm. what else would I be right in front of me? Like, oh, you're back? Like, why Like, why are you back? Like, mm. why did you come back? And i I really obsessing because this well, this just has something different completely about how many people just prefer foreign things and Ooh, yeah. everything about better than what is in Nigeria or what's in this country. Yeah. <laughs> That like that question is like okay so Nigeria is not awesome like I love my country mm-hmm. like yeah. I've, I've always wanted to come back here like long term even if I do go back for a master like, I hope to return to Nigeria to live for people to be, for people to be asking me like oh, why would you come back like isn't America a beautiful country like isn't that a place mm-hmm. of enjoyment and you know milk and honey and sugar and McDonald's and obviously I hear but like I I just. And it's just very frustrating, very frustrating to ask that question. I guess I'm back, and I you know,
2: hope am able to do something here that's meaningful. This is the thing over here. I just want to play devil's advocate. <laughs> <laughs> Why are
0: you people always playing devil's advocate? No, because it makes... The devil it makes... doesn't need an advocate. <laughs> uh-uh. Yeah. It's well, yeah.
2: A, it's just a phrase, and just to make a conversation, I you know, know one, one can argue... And I once had argued that, well, obviously you left your home country for another con- to another country for a reason. Mm-hmm. And that reason, it can be assumed mm-hmm. that it's because you were going for something better. Mm-hmm. So I guess when people are asking, like, oh, why would you come back? It's like, oh, you left in the first mm-hmm. place for something better. So mm-hmm. people might be confused as to why you're back. And then also, well, <laughs> excuse me, okay. big, I go a little deep, but... No, no, we don't, don't need to do. go there. We don't need to go there. No, but go there, like, go there. No, I I'm, well, I'm going also, to answer your question. there's okay, also the question, the second part of the question, which is the the question of why, like, why are you back? Was your decision to go back voluntary? Mm-hmm. And you know, because okay. that also so, ties into like why maybe the question know, rubs the wrong way. I don't know, maybe. Mm-hmm.
3: Okay, so the first one was. For the people who know me mm-hmm. and you know my family, I left this country to get my education. Yeah. Yeah. That was the only reason why I left because mm-hmm. it is a well known fact, the educational system the educational system in America or in the UK or pretty much many other places outside India much better than Nigerians, right? So mm. that my purpose was to get the better education. So mm. at this point I have achieved that purpose mm-hmm. at least the undergraduate aspect of
2: this. Yeah.
3: And I've come back for yeah. the rest of my life or like for now. So I think like them asking okay, I've gone to get that thing that's better. And hopefully mm. I'm able to use what I supposed to Nigeria. And then mm-hmm. with the aspect of you know it's being voluntary, mm-hmm. I think most most people that have not left this country mm-hmm. don't even know anything about you know OPC mm-hmm. or H1B, so mm-hmm. they aren't even asking that question. Like that has nothing to do with like then it mm-hmm. whether it's voluntary or even. And if if they, do, I mean, I left because my OPC was open. I didn't get the H1B for that. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Now, that was as my situation. And kind of unfortunate, but I also I I embrace it as you know this is fine. Like, I wasn't, I was a little bit sad for, because I've missed my friends and stuff, but I wasn't sad that I was doing that. It was for me also, even. So I, could have, I could have, I had the chance to go to some. It's okay. We <laughs> probably, probably
1: wrapped up the episode too.
3: <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> probably yeah, that's
1: we probably should. True. We should. Oh my god, we have gone in into the, into the, I'm sorry, that was mm-hmm. not necessary. Um, Wow, this was a good conversation. So I guess our question to our listeners would be, um, how do you identify, um, and how has that identity played a role in your relationships with people? Would that be a good one What are you guys saying? So email us at notyourafricancliche@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Um, you can also feel free to follow us on Facebook. We are uh, Not Your African Cliche. On Twitter, we are N Y A C podcast, And on SoundCloud, we are n.y.a.c.podcast. <laughs> That's a
3: lot of dubs. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but please follow us. Let us know what you think. Send us your questions. If there are thoughts and comments that you have, we would love to hear all of those. Okay. Um, and so to round up, can everyone just talk about what they're listening to, what they're reading? Uh, I am currently reading a book. Called *The Mortal Life of Henrietta Lacks*, mm. um, and I don't know if any of you have heard of the HeLa cells, um, but I'm a biologist, so sorry. But basically, these are cells that are being cultured in labs across the world, um, and they were taken from a certain woman who had um, cervical cancer without her knowing. But these um, cells have kind of revolutionized how science and technology are currently working. But unfortunately, her family isn't on medical, they don't have medical insurance, which is kind of crazy that this one person who has, you know, caused so many breakthroughs in science, um, her family isn't get to benefit from, from
0: that. So it's a pretty interesting read. And also, I wanted to point out that the woman in question is a black woman. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: So, It you know, yeah. has another
0: conversation about how race and gender plays into the disenfranchisement of, of of certain groups of people and how yeah, so I just wanted to point that out that that's a black woman in Alabama, I believe,
3: right? I think so,
0: yeah.
3: um This is Amayo. I'm currently listening to Justin Bieber's album called Purpose. Shamelessly, that album is amazing. Um, yeah, that's... that's this is
0: ifa. Oh, this is Ife here and I can't believe I'm saying this but I think I'm a be believer. I mean, Have you how do oh, you that? I'm a so believer.
3: Bad. Okay, yes, it's believer.
0: One
1: another
0: one. Obviously a rookie one. <laughs> Oh I'm obviously a rookie I can't even pronounce our so our fan name. Bleeber. Yes. I'm obviously because that sorry is a jam and a half. It is so good. I was jamming it before we started broadcasting. So yeah. I'm definitely into uh Justin Bieber's new music. I haven't heard the album yet.
3: I'm gonna listen to the to the album well, honestly the thing about that story video is like after watching it a few times you two, you begin to believe that you can do this dance step <laughs> so you just find yourself you know moving on you're like no nah bro nah.
0: <laughs> so we're about, to, don't we're to, about to go on a tangent about that so i love that video but can we talk about how that song is a is an obvious dance hall inspired song and there are no black girls in that video and they are all dancing dancehall steps and we
3: did not spot a single melanin enriched on <laughs> that video. Because why? I, I I noticed the same thing, but like I, when I looked into like in the credits, mm-hmm. so the group is actually from I think New Zealand, is that New Zealand or Netherlands? And I think they've won like international competitions everywhere. So I just think like by the nature of you know them being from, New Zealand, they're not that many. <laughs> I I guess um, I you
0: know I feel like. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like there will, there will always be an excuse for not having enough diversity. Like that's diversity is another issue that we're going to talk about another episode. Mm-hmm. And that's also going to be deep dot com. Mm, but yes. I you know, yeah. So I think they could have they could have tried, even if it's a guest dancer. There are lots of people. Ah, yeah. found, yes, I'm serious because they found these they found the people who danced the video on YouTube. So you could have found mm-hmm. some other Melanin and rich skinned people to so be in that video.
3: Anyway. But then now that'll be just like solely for the purpose of diversity. Like but oh yeah, we just recruited this one black person.
0: Well, so mm-hmm. we can talk we can have another conversation
2: about I, know,
3: I feel like we should keep this for so- Guys, listening to our
1: podcast, make hey, sure. you hey, come I
2: haven't, back. I haven't, I haven't said what I'm listening
1: to. <laughs> I'm I'm not closing out. You saying I'm not closing out. I'm just saying, like, make sure you come back and listen to our podcast because there's a lot where this is coming from. <laughs>
2: and My I just let you about to wrap this
0: episode. Like, hey. Please. Exactly. I've been waiting.
2: <laughs> all right, guys. Okay, quickly. just
0: say what I'm doing, though? Like, I, <laughs> I was just, that was a tangent from my I was, I was, a, sorry for interrupting. I was the <gasps> word that was concurring with her Justin Bieber Love. I'm reading a book called So You've Been Publicly Shamed. It's by John Ronson and I'm about maybe one-third into the book, and it's about the reemergence of public shaming in the advent of social media and Internet and how public shaming was outlawed in the, I want to say, 20th century or 19th? I can't remember. And I'm terrible with all the century, century demarcations anyway. But it was outlawed a couple of years ago, but now it's it's reemerging because of how interconnected we are. And there was a reference to Justine. Taco, I think is her name. Remember that girl that tweeted, Oh, I can't get HIV because I'm white, and how the whole thing and how it became a Twitter trending topic, and wh- when she landed, there was press with it. Anyway, yeah. So it's a book about public shaming and how it's reemerged and its influence on our collective lives, on the people who are being publicly shamed, and on us as a society who publicly shame.
2: Alright, um so this is If here. I just reread um the article How to Write About Africa, um which is written uh I think about five years ago by this Kenyan um author Binyavanga Wainana. Um, And he wrote, like, this satirical article about when you write about Africa, always, you know, include wilderness, safari, and all those stereotypes. Um, Which, you know, last episode we talked about stereotypes, and that was one article thanks to a dear friend, Adam Torconu, who brought that article to my attention again. And I am currently trying to catch up on this documentary project by British Jamaican director and filmmaker Cecile Emeke I don't know if I said that right. That last name looks Nigerian so <laughs> just something I want to pronounce it the way an evil person would pronounce it but apparently she's British Jamaican and she has this amazing international documentary uh, series called Strolling on her YouTube channel and she actually just released the first episode of the U.S.-based Sterling series. So she's done these documentaries in Italy, France, Netherlands, and somewhere else. So it's just like, you know, break trying to like break down like black stereotypes and um, having just like frank conversations about everything from gentrification to sexism to colonialization and all of that Awesome, deep stuff. So she's really amazing. You should check out her YouTube channel.
1: All right. It's been fun. Wow. What an episode. It's been deep. It's been real. It is. Once again, not your African cliche. Mm -hmm. What, what?
0: Thanks for listening. Yeah, thank you guys for listening. this is Ife here. We've gotten so much wonderful and frank feedback and we're so thankful for your feedback. We're gonna to try to incorporate some of those some of those um comments into our next episode. I definitely want to hear from you mm-hmm. regarding our question. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Ooh, and
2: also we wanna give a shout out to Femi yeah, Le- Leia.
0: Leia, for Leia. his
2: his song that we're using as our our theme music. Theme music. Yeah.
0: yeah. that awesome. that song jams. It's stuck in my head. It's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that too is a jam and a half. Oh yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah it's,
1: it's called Aya, by the way. And Aya in Yoruba means joy, if I'm correct. Go, so, yeah, go, go on iTunes and listen to it. Yeah, and buy it. Yeah. Yes. I feel. I feel. All right, well, we're done here. Thanks, guys, for listening, and we'll be back with the next episode.